0: But today we're going to talk about uh, the spirit of worship. We're going to talk about a little bit of what we just experienced, but what we experience any time we gather together, you know, gathering together and coming together in a church service and a corporate gathering, it's a kind of a unique uh, thing. It, it, it's something that some people have done all their lives. It's all they've ever known. You know, they were they were born on a Tuesday, hypothetically, in North Carolina to uh, Bill and Kathy, hypothetically, and on Sunday, they were in church, and they've been in church every Sunday since, ever you know, their entire life, and they've never missed for fear of going to hell. Um, and then there are others, hypothetically, uh, if they were wearing a black striped shirt. Today. No, uh, others, church is a new thing. Gathering together, it's a new thing. Church is something maybe that, maybe you didn't grow up in church. Maybe this is still a very new thing. Maybe you didn't really go to church until just recently. Maybe today's your first time ever to walk into a church, and if so, welcome. We're glad that you're here, but it is a unique thing. But you know what? The things that we struggle with in understanding what church is and how the church functions and what goes on in gatherings like this, they're not new things to us. It's not something that just all of a sudden we are struggling with or we're trying to understand or we're trying to learn. Um, In the book of 1 Corinthians, in the Bible, it's in the New Testament. If you have your Bible, you can jump there. We're going to be spending some time in 1 Corinthians today. The Apostle Paul is writing a letter in response to a letter that he's received from a church in the city of Corinth. And so he's received this letter. He's not there. He established this church, left it in the hands of those that were in leadership there. And then he's left and he's gone and he's planning churches and he ends up in prison later. and, And all this kind of stuff is happening. But someone of leadership in the church writes him a letter. And we're going to reference this in just a few minutes, but this book that we have of 1 Corinthians is actually the response to the letter that he received. So many of the things that we read, actually all of the things that we read in 1 Corinthians 12 are addressing the issues that that church would be facing. Now, it may be things that not every single thing written in the book specifically says here in response to something that you've written to me. But there are several things. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1 says, in response to what you've written, to what you wrote to me. And there's four or five other instances, which we'll reference again in just a minute, that talk about... Paul responding very specifically to some of the things that were written to him. And so one of the things that we have to understand is the context of this book to help us understand really what he was writing to and what he was writing about. He was writing to a group of people much like us who were trying to understand how to be a community of faith. How to be a community of people, a people group that would worship together and grow together. And so several of the things that they were fighting in that day were things that some of us fight. Maybe not individually, but maybe in churches like this or churches you've been a part of before. It's this idea maybe that some people are used by God in the church and other people maybe aren't. Or some people are very comfortable being used by God and other people are less comfortable with that idea. Some, some people might call it this, Pastor Justin and I were talking earlier, some people might call this this competitive spirit. Maybe you don't do it uh, in, intentionally and on purpose, but some people might, uh, you know, they would say, hey, God's using me or God's going to use me or, you know, I, there's something going on and, and so they would kind of put their gifts forward in front of other people. And, and so one of the things that Paul specifically writes about in 1 Corinthians 12 is the idea of spiritual gifts. Everybody say spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is something that a lot of people in the Pentecostal and charismatic circles of faith are very comfortable talking about. And in other circles of the faith, they're not very comfortable talking about that. They're not really sure how you even address that or what they mean. And they've heard things or they've experienced things that make them think that that's totally out of place. But I want us to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I want us to look at spiritual gifts and what Paul writes in several other places in the New Testament, which we'll jump to. And I want us to define and look at some ideas of spiritual gifts so that we're all comfortable with this idea and understanding how they operate in the context of community. First Corinthians chapter 12, if you've got your Bible, we're going to begin in verse 1, we're going to read verse 2, and then jump to verse 4. Here we go. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Now, let's stop right here. I, don't, I can't back this up, but I think Paul is being sarcastic here. All right? I think verse 2 is Paul saying to this church, as he's referencing the things that they've written to him, he's saying, you know that when you were pagans, when you were unbelievers, when you were outside of the faith, when you were less enlightened than you are now, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray by mute idols. Mute, some translations say dumb. Some translations say stupid, depending on the one that you have. The idea here being that you believed when you were pagans, when you were less enlightened, you believed in rocks. You worshipped rocks and trees and the ground. And so what he's saying here is, listen, before we get off on this idea of being competitive and thinking that you're more spiritual than somebody else, remember that we were all outside of the faith at some point. Remember that before you became so enlightened as you are now, before you became so spiritual as you are now, you were led astray. You worshipped inanimate objects that had no ability to communicate with you at all. So he's telling them that. Verse 4. It says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given for the common good. Remember that. We're going to come back to that. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, spirit. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each one just as He determines. Now, something very important to, to recognize right here is this is not an exhaustive list. This is not all the spiritual gifts that there are. And I think, again, in the Pentecostal and charismatic circles, these are the things that get the headlines, I mean, these are the things that we celebrate. If we're not careful, we go, wow, you have the gift of prophecy. You have the gift of healing. Wow, you spoke in tongues. You you interpreted tongue. Man, that's incredible. But what we have here, remember, is Paul addressing a very specific issue written to him by the leaders of the Corinthian church. And so the other places in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are referenced, which we're going to go to in a minute, they're places where Paul is teaching or Peter is teaching or others are teaching theology. They're teaching what you can believe about the things and the nature of God. Here, Paul is addressing some very specific things that were written to him. So he is isolating or really elevating these gifts so that they would understand in response to what was going on in their congregation what they needed to know about these gifts. And so if we're not careful, we could look at these and we could go, wow, these are the most important ways that God uses people in spiritual ways. We would look at these things and some of these are incredible. Some of these things really are incredible, but if we're not careful, we would tend to elevate those which people in the Corinthian church were doing at this time and make these more important than other gifts of service. It would be like this. Let me just, let me just list some stuff for you. Kentucky, Alabama, Tennessee, Mississippi. What are all those things? They're states, right? I didn't, I didn't name for you every state. I just named some states. And that's very similar to what Paul's done here. He's not given you an exhaustive list of all the gifts of the Spirit. He's given you a representative list of the ways that God can and does work through people. So let's just look at the things that come out of this passage of Scripture. The spiritual gifts that are listed here are words of wisdom... This could be the applying of knowledge to life in a way that makes spiritual truths kind of come relevant and practical. Uh, Words of knowledge, which is the understanding of the Bible or moral law through the gathering of information and and understanding that data. Faith, which is to be firmly persuaded by God towards something that you can't see with your eyes. Confidence in Him. Healing is, is what we understand it to be. Many of us are comfortable with this. It's the idea to be used by God to make people whole, whether it be physically or spiritually or emotionally or mentally. Miracles is to be enabled by God to perform these mighty works that we couldn't do out in, within our own means. Prophecy is to speak the message of God to his people. Discernment is very important because it's the idea of being able to clearly distinguish what things are of God and what things are not of God. Tongues, which again gets all the publicity in a lot of Pentecostal and charismatic circles, is the idea of speaking in an unknown or unlearned language, alright? And the interpretation of tongues is not a direct word-for-word translation of the tongues that were just spoken, but the idea of helping interpret the meaning of what was said, Through those tongues. And so we have a representative list here. Of the way that God was working through these people. And this church. And Paul was helping them to understand. What these things were. and, And where they came from. They came from one spirit. So there was no need to compete with one another. Because the origin of every one of the gifts was the same place. So there was no need to say. I'm more spiritual than you. Or God's using me in a better way than he's using you. Because all of this came from one and the same Spirit, let's jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. It's later in the, in the same chapter we're reading. It says that in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then mirac- uh, workers of miracles... Also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with the gifts of administration, and those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Now, we have tongues that was listed previously, listed here. We also have healing, which was listed. We have prophets or prophecy. So those are some things that were already listed, and those were listed as spiritual gifts in the previous part of this chapter. And now we have four others that come out of this passage that we understand to be spiritual gifts. The idea of apostles or apostleship. The idea of teachers. The idea of helps. And the idea of administration. Now, I've said this and so it's a bad joke if you've heard it before, but it's still funny to me. I always thought the gift of helps was something that was just thrown in if you didn't have another gift. Like when I was growing up, there was all these people, they spoke in tongues or you know, they did these amazing things and it's like, Oh, you don't do any of that? You must have the gift of helps. It sounded like something you put ointment on to me. Like, I didn't know what it was, but I wasn't sure I wanted it. Like, I think I wanted the other ones that got the, you know, the publicity. But here we see Paul elevating these things and saying, hey, here's some things we've already identified as gifts. And then there's apostles, which we'll we'll understand to be leadership over church bodies, understanding the spiritual authority that was given to those to lead the church. Teachers are those who instruct in the logical and systematic ways to communicate information to people. Helps is the ability to support and help other people. And administration is really to steer a body of people towards accomplishing the goal that they have. And I think if we look in this church, and other churches, and other places outside of the church, in the community, we see these gifts exercised by a lot of people that are teachers. They help one another. They have the gift of administration. Jump with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 4 through 8 is another place where Paul is writing. This is a more teaching passage than the response given in 1 Corinthians 12. And here he's teaching uh, about the idea of gifts even further. First, uh, sorry, Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. Just as each of us has one body with many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully so there's four more that I want to raise out of this passage other than the ones that we've already referenced the idea of serving which is to identify undone tasks and to do those tasks to meet the needs of someone else the next one is generosity or giving which is to give of material resources generously with with liberality just to meet the needs of those that you come in contact with leadership is to stand before people and to lead them in a specific direction I think it was maybe Mark Twain who said if you're leading and no one's following, you're just taking a long walk. But the idea that people would follow after you to, be, to accomplish whatever it is that you're pursuing uh, with your life. Mercy or to, to be merciful, which was referenced there, is to be sensitive to those that are around you who are suffering and extend to them the same mercy that God has extended to you. And so again, this is not the complete list either. This is just a couple of places in the New Testament that we pull out where there is teaching about specific gifts or offices or roles within the church where God would use people to accomplish what it is that he needs accomplished in the church and in the community. And so we have this incredible list here, these incredible things that we see happen. But again, and I've referenced this, and it, maybe it just comes out of my own place of hurt from growing up in some of this. But if, I think if we're not careful, that when we're in certain circles... We look to some of these gifts and we begin to see people being used in certain ways. And we think that that represents spiritual maturity. We think that that represents something that you attain once you've served the Lord long enough. We think that you, you know, I'm a a baseball guy. So we think maybe you just get gifts somewhere between second and third before you head home to heaven. I mean, I, I don't know, maybe that's just in my head, but that God would give you these gifts right before, you know, you're, you're not really able to do anything else. I, I don't know, but that's when I was growing up, there were some of these, these these images and these things in my mind because of how I saw some of these gifts used that I weren't, I wasn't really sure if this was even the way that the Bible talked about the idea of spiritual gifts. So when we look at ourselves as a church. We look at ourselves as a community. We look at ourselves as a congregation. We have to understand that of all the teachings that we just read, and these are just a few, spiritual gifts are referenced throughout the New Testament and even into the Old Testament, some of the things that God would use people. We we read in the book of Psalms and we referenced last week in the book of Exodus, where God spiritually gifted someone to accomplish something that he needed them to accomplish. But spiritual gifts are not given to an individual for their sake only. Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 12? He said that the gifts that were given were given for the common good. Everybody say common good. good. So what we're talking about here is not that... And maybe this is where we we, we get in trouble. Because I like to get gifts. I like to receive a gift. I like to give gifts too, but I love receiving gifts. Behind me here is a gift that I received... This is my television. I brought it from my house this morning. It was funny watching me carry it in. Um, this gift was given to me by two little boys sitting on the front row down here. And my wife and two other children who are back here in their classes. Cooper had a baseball game and they just finished. So he came, came in with his mom and Branson's here. And they gave this to me for Father's Day and my birthday a year or two ago. Two years ago now. They gave this. I love this gift. And, and here's, here, if I'm not careful, here's what I would do with This gift. I would keep the remote strapped to my hip. No one would ever get to use this gift except me because it's my gift. They gave it to me. Possession's nine tenths of the law. I would argue it's ten tenths of the law, but it's mine. You can't come into my room and watch Little Bill. I don't care who Little Bill is. This stays on ESPN Sports Center 24 hours a day, right? This is my gift. It was given to me. I own it, right? It's crazy. We don't operate like that. Somebody likes Little Bill back there. This, this we. That's not how we operate, right? What what is this TV? It was given to me, and then what happens? It stays on Little Bill 24 hours a day. (laughs) Or Little Einstein, or some other little show that I don't really, I didn't pick, right? Why? Because this gift given to me, and gifts that I give in my family, they're given for the common good in our house. We don't separate things out in my house and say, that's mine, you can't have it. My kids get in trouble when they act that way. And so in the context of community, in the context of the local church, if I'm not careful, I can see myself as someone that God has gifted. But it's not for you. It's for me. God's gifted me. I'm going to use the gift that God gave me, and you've got to go find your own gift. Right? No. Paul said that the gifts of the Spirit were given for the common good. James Stitzinger says this. The primary goal of all the gifts is building up the body of Christ. The primary goal of all the gifts is building up the body of Christ. Siegfried Schatzmann, weird name, right? But he's got a lot to say. This is what he said. God's graciously given spirit apportioned gifts were clearly not meant for the self-aggrandizement of the endowed or as an elitist pursuit Of a higher spiritual or social status. This was the problem of the first Corinthians church. That there was this endowment. There was this hierarchy that said I'm gifted by God to do these things. And if you don't have the same gifts I do. You need to go find something. And then you began to have people that were competing against one another. And speaking things and doing things in the name of God that contradicted one another. How could the same spirit that gave gifts out of the same relationship, the same God, how could those things contradict one another? And they began to do things that did not edify the body, build up, grow the body. And so in the context of community, Paul was trying to help them understand in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 13, he talks to them about love. And it doesn't matter what God's gifted you with if you don't love one another. It's the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't keep record of wrongs. Instead of pointing at someone else and seeing their faults, why don't you lead with love and see how God might use you then? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 talks further about the idea of community. And those three chapters together really help form for us the picture of what it looks like to be a congregation in community with one another and to be empowered by God, to do the work of God in this context, and out in the world when we scatter. And so I think if we're going to look at it that way, then maybe the word spiritual gifts might not even be the most appropriate phrase. I want to read one more quote. This one's pretty long. It's going to be on the screen. This is a guy named Kenneth Birding, And he, he brings out a really great idea here, and we're going to land here for the remainder of our time. This is what he says. There is a concept which links together the list passages. 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, Ephesians 4, which we didn't read earlier. And perhaps even 1 Peter 4, which we will get to. And that concept is not spirit-given abilities. Spirit-given ministries, rather, that abilities than abilities, is what links these passages together. A ministry in this essay is an edificatory, strong word, big word, a $2 word right there, activity in the Christian community which serves to build up The Christian community. A ministry can be a regular role in the community, such as teaching or leading, or it can be a spontaneous activity which builds up the community, such as an unanticipated prophecy. It is neither limited to ministerial office nor to sudden acts engaged in during periods of worship. It will be argued that ministries, roles and functions of ministry, rather than special ability, is the theological entity lying behind Paul's discussions in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4 special ability enablement is only present in 1st Corinthians 12 undoubtedly no one can engage in a particular ministry without being able to do so but when we mistakenly equate the entity we call spiritual gifts with special abilities we end up reading special skills into a place where special ministries supported by general endowment or empowerment rather than special abilities are and what's he saying because there was a lot there all right what's he saying The word gifts gets us in trouble. The word spiritual gifts makes us think if you have operated out of that context that you're somebody that's gifted above others. But if we see the way that God uses us for the common good, for the sake of others, then we can understand that spiritual gifts is actually the idea of spiritual ministry. That God has given me the opportunity and the ability to serve you in ministry. That's why when Paul references the idea That maybe a word of prophecy or a word of knowledge might be better than an uninterpreted tongue? Why? Because that doesn't edify the body. It brings about confusion and chaos where God's words spoken clearly in the language of the people could help to raise up or build the body. Now in this church, we do believe that the gifts of the Spirit are still active today. I can't find anywhere in Scripture that tells me it's not. The places that people use that talk about the ceasing of gifts reference other things that everybody in the room would acknowledge are still present. And so I don't know how we would isolate that some are ceased and others are not. But I do believe and would agree with some of those who are in disagreement with Pentecostal circles that sometimes the gifts of the Spirit have been used out of place. I would completely agree with that. And I believe for, for as many well-meaning, well-intended people that God has used to speak life into others through a gift of the spirit there are others who have been about it for themselves and so as a community as a body i would hope that our efforts are not about pointing to us not about saying god holy spirit use me speak into me do something in me for the sake of me but that it would be us making ourselves available To be used by God for the common good. For the sake of someone else in order. In a sense that points us to greater understanding of the Father. I can't find anywhere in Scripture any example where a gift of the Holy Spirit is used correctly. Where the point and the object that He wanted you to look at was the person using the gift. I can't find anywhere in Scripture where the the object, the point, the thing that you were supposed to focus on was actually the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit and the workings of the Holy Spirit and the giftings of the Holy Spirit always seem to point back to the Father. Back to the work of the Son. And so my hope and my prayer is not that we take out those unanticipated, suddenly kinds of moments, suddenly kinds of works of the Holy Spirit But at the end of every one of those, we would have the ability to look and evaluate and see. What do I know about the nature of God now that I might not have known before God miraculously interrupted this moment? Outside of the miraculous works, maybe it's a general sense of the gift of helps, gifts of leadership, the gift of generosity, the gift of administration, the gift of serving. I was playing around on my computer Last night, no kidding. Okay, I'm I'm not super talented, so this is not about me. Okay, Um, playing around in a a program called GarageBand. Anybody ever played with GarageBand? You familiar with it? GarageBand is a really cool tool that I don't know that much about, but I'm going to play you a couple sounds. There is a I don't know some of you can't see this and I'm sorry this is about as big as we can make it but over here are just a, a bunch of groupings of things that you can click on this one says percussion this one says guitar this one says piano and you can click on it and it'll just play random rhythms and beats and songs and all kinds of stuff and, and I just clicked on some of these and I saved some of these as my favorites so I think that we've got this up this is what I can click on this is Far East Drums 02 pretty good stuff right? Some of you want um, something from the Far East for lunch now, I think. Here, here's delayed guitar string O2. These are not synced up rhythmically. They're not necessarily in the same key. They're they're not the same time. This One of them's in the key of D. One of them's in the key of C. You got 64 beats. You got four beats. They're all 99 tempo, 130 tempo. Here's a piano. Some of you want to go get a massage after this. And the people that have had massages are laughing harder. Because they know this is what plays in the rooms where you get massages. Don't ask me how I know that. So that's a piano. Here's a synthesizer. Something's got to be wrong with you to really get something out of that music. So here's what we did. I took this. I'm not kidding. You can ask my wife. Just laid in bed. I just took this and I just laid them over top of each other. I just took all those sounds that you just heard I didn't change anything about the key I didn't change anything about the tempo I'm sure GarageBand does some of that I just dropped them on this timeline here that's probably not even the correct phrase I'm going to call it a timeline I just dropped it on here and I just staggered where they start here's what I want you to listen to there's our synthesizer And now here comes that piano Never done this before. Now we've got a guitar. Here comes our other piano. I, if this preaching thing doesn't work out, I'm going to go in as a DJ. You don't know what I think this looks like? I think this looks like what the church should look like when spiritual gifts are working correctly. It's not just a random drumbeat. It's a part of a beautiful tapestry. It's not just this random thing that you think contributes nothing. It's the bottom end to an incredible piece of music not just this delayed guitar 04. it's the driving piece behind something that you're going to have stuck in your head all afternoon some of you think that you have nothing to contribute some of you think that you have nothing to give to God and I would say that if you would give of yourself if you would lift up what you have God can take it and put it together with the gifts of others, the ministries of others, the ability to serve of others, put it all together and that what we would experience is something far greater than you can accomplish on your own. Because the trouble in the church is that people like me get a lot of the focus. We get a lot of attention. Because you came in and sat down this morning and you looked at me as if I had something to say. Before I got up here, you were listening to Justin and Michael on the drums and Keith on the bass. You are listening to Tyler over here and Daniel over here as if they were the most talented people in the room. As if God had gifted them above anybody else in the room to lead us in worship. And So we focus our attention towards specific giftings and not... Others. Recently, somebody came to visit our church. And they pulled into the parking lot. And when they pulled into the parking lot, they were greeted by Jeff Farr in a neon vest. They drove even further and they parked in the first-time visitor parking spot. Because there was a sign that said, if you're a first-timer here, turn on your flashers so that we'll know because we're stalkers. No, that's not what it says, but we want to know. When they got out of their car, Luann Cates shook their hand. She talked to them about what the day would involve and thanked them for being here. And as they were walking a little further down the sidewalk, Ann introduced them to Jonathan Hightower and then she stepped away to greet someone else. Jonathan walked them into the building, took them by the children's check-in table where Beth Wadsworth helped them get a two-part tag to make sure that their children who were not in the computer yet would have a tag and the parent would have something so that they could go into their classes. They got to the nursery and they dropped off their child with Christy McEachern in the nursery. They went a little further to the toddler and preschool room down the hall and Sarah Reel took their preschooler in so that they could play and learn about the love of God. They walked across the hall and Miss Tamara greeted them and got them into the class with the rest of our first through fifth graders. They turned around and they came back down the hall and Donald Pruitt handed them a worship guide before they walked into the room and Kevin and Catherine Rorden helped them find a seat. They sat down and then they stood up and they sat down and stood up because we do that a lot. And Justin led them in three songs they'd never heard before. And then they watched as Helene Heinemann prayed with someone down here. And they stayed in their seat and they sat down again. And I stood up and I opened the Bible. And I talked about what God's word said about the way that they should live in relationship with him. And on their way out, Keith Whitaker said it was gl- he was glad they were here today. Rick Sandal did it again at the door and Britt Henderson did it out in front of the tent. They got back to their car and Luann was standing out there again and thanked them for coming and hoped to see them next week. And as they were driving out of the parking lot, they saw Jeff putting his neon vest back on walking back out there to wave goodbye to the rest of the cars. People on the stage aren't the only ones that God gifts. God takes all kinds of Of different abilities that start with a willingness to be used by Him for the sake of ministry. And I don't know what your gift is. I don't know what your ability is. I don't know what your ministry is, but I know that you've probably convinced yourself that we don't need it here. And you would be wrong. God desires to use you to do more than you can do on your own. That's spiritual gifts. That's the spirit of the church, if that's our title today. It's the presence of God working through a group of people to tell the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Not every week, but almost every week when we meet together with all of our volunteers that are serving that day in the lobby before many of you arrive. I say this phrase. The sermon starts in the parking lot. It doesn't start when I stand up on the stage. Because the gift of God is at work in the lives of every volunteer that we have. To tell the life-giving, life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Two quick closing thoughts to bring all this together because I'm sure that some of you are saying, okay, so I want to be used. How do I know what it is that God can use in me? I want to point you to a passage in the book of Exodus that in no way references spiritual gifts. It references a man who is flawed in all of his ways that God desires to use. His name is Moses. Moses is in the middle of a desert and he's tending his father-in-law's sheep. And all of a sudden, he sees a bush that just bursts into flames. And it starts burning, but it's not consumed. And so this is a rare occurrence. Not that it would catch on fire, which would be enough of an occurrence for me to look at it. It doesn't say that he looked at it until he sees that it was burning, but not consumed. And he walks towards the fire. And a voice calls out to him from the fire and calls him by name and says, Moses. And over the next few minutes, there's a conversation that takes place about the fact that this ground where they're standing is holy and that God desires to use Moses to do this incredible thing. He wants to set his people free. I'm going to ask Daniel to come. He wants to set his people free from the oppression that they find themselves in. And Moses, who is insecure and not confident in how God might use him, asks a series of questions about how the people will know That God has sent him. That God is using Moses. And God asks him a question that I believe God is asking you today. What's in your hand? What's in your hand? Moses said, it's a staff. It's what I use to beat sheep around the backside of a desert. And God said, throw it down. He throws it down and it turns into a snake. And God says, pick it up. I would have said no. Moses reaches down and grabs the snake and it turns back into his staff. And this is a pet phrase for me. But here's what I believe about spiritual gifts. There's probably something you already have in your hands that God can breathe on and use for His sake. You just thought you were just generally merciful and compassionate. You just thought your heart broke when you heard stories. No, that can be the gift of mercy exercised through you for the sake of God and for the sake of others just thought you were messing around on a guitar no that could be the gifts that are talked about in the book of psalms about leading people in worship you just thought you were normally friendly no that could be what god uses to serve as the gift gift of hospitality for the sake of others to be welcomed when they come in this room and aren't sure what a church and a school looks like you just enjoy teaching people As Brian Smith told me one time, he just likes teaching you how to use your cell phone better. He just likes teaching you how to swing a golf club better. He just likes to teach. Guess what? That could turn into you teaching somebody else how to wrap cables at the end of a Sunday or stand in a classroom with four-year-olds and teach them about the love of God. If you're honest with yourself, you probably have something in your hands that God can use for His purposes. 1 Peter chapter 4 says this. God has given each of you. Everybody say each of you. No exclusion. A gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. You have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. Amen. What does a church in community look like? What does a group of people that make themselves available to be used by God look like? It doesn't look like a Far East drum beat 04. Sounds like a melody. Sounds like a symphony. Sounds like a lot of pieces and a lot of parts that by themselves don't impress us. But together make way more sense than they do apart. Can you go to heaven without being a part of a church? Absolutely. But why would you want to? Why would you not want to be in relationship with other people that are designed to build you up? That are called to help you grow? That when done right, are here to encourage you. I want you to close your head, close your eyes. Don't close your head, that'd be weird. Close your eyes, bow your head, just for a moment. As we close our time today, there's no come to the altar, there's no seek the gifts, nothing like that. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just want you to put your hands out in front of you. You don't even have to look at them, just put your hands out in front of you. there's probably something in your hands. You just thought it was a staff. But in the hands of God, it's the miraculous. You just thought it was something ordinary that you used every single day. But with God, it's going to be the sign that he's using you. God, I pray today for every person in this room. I pray, first of all, that they're willing to be used by you. And for some of them, that starts with a relationship with you. They walked in today and they've been searching or they've been walking away from you. And said, so today, God, I just pray that you would draw them back to yourself, that you would help them to see the benefits of relationship with you. It's not, just, it's not just about a list of rights and wrongs and do's and don'ts. It's about relationship. It really is about finding life again. And that God, for those of us that are in relationship with you, that we would desire to be used by you. That we'd be willing to be open to how you might use the, the gifts that we already possess, the passions and desires that we already have, or maybe some unanticipated, kind of suddenly moments that you would choose to use us to speak a specific message to a group of people. God, however you choose to use us, would you just help us to see it as a gift from you, but not for ourselves, for the sake of others, for the common good. That we wouldn't become this cesspool of spirituality. But God, we would become a conduit that your grace flows into and out of us by the same measure that we've received it. Help us to see those around us as the ultimate recipients of your grace. God, let us look for ways to serve them as we serve you. Nobody's looking around. I'm just going to ask you just to sit there for a moment. Just search your heart. Maybe there's a dream, an ability that you've carried for a long time. Never utilized it. You're a little insecure. You're not sure how God could use it. But you just feel like, man, God's given this to me. I don't know know what to do with it. You just sit in the quietness of this moment. I want you just to say yes to God. God, use me. Do something through me. Not so people look at me, but so they look at you. to be a people like that, help us to respond to you and become a people for the sake of the common good.